0: When I try to explain that to producers or to clients, uh, is, um, we, we consider two types of face masks. Uh, and and we, we explain that very slowly so they don't understand the difference. So, those designed to protect yourself, to protect the person that is wearing it. And those would be uh, an example are those N95 or FPP2, uh, as we say that in Europe. Those are high efficiency filters, masks that stop at least. 95% of the smallest particles or 0.3 microns that from from getting inhaled. So they only allow these of these small particles five percent. The others are stopped completely. And those are high efficient masks that are um, really designed. To be under a high um, infectious environment and to protect the person that is wearing them, as I said. But the, the other type of masks that are designed to protect others. So those are surgical masks or any homemade uh, face mask or covering. Uh, and those will stop large particles from getting spread, uh, so getting emitted from your mouth when you sneeze, when you cough, or even when you are on a normal conversation.
1: Hello. Welcome to this podcast in the Meet the Expert series on swine health management in practice, brought to you by Boehringer Ingelheim. My name is Peter Best. In this episode of Meet the Expert, we will be talking about farm biosecurity, but with a difference. Normally, of course, our biosecurity measures are aimed at protecting the health of the pigs. This podcast is different because it discusses what farm operators should be doing to protect the health of their farm workers, specifically against the novel coronavirus that has caused a worldwide worldwide pandemic in 2020. I'm delighted to say that the expert to help us with this important topic is international swine veterinary consultant, Dr. Carmen Alonso, who's based near Barcelona in Spain. Welcome, Dr. Alonso. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Peter. Thanks for your invitation.
1: Dr. Alonso, in your career, you've made detailed studies of the transmission of viruses. In your expert opinion, could pork producers be doing more to keep this coronavirus away from the farm and so keep their workers safe?
0: Um, Well, let let me tell you that uh, swine workers are well trained on disease transmission and with a special focus for swine diseases. But in this case, it's different. eh? In the case of this coronavirus that affects humans and no pigs, They need to be careful on protecting themselves and protecting others inside and outside the farm. So it gets a bit more complex.
1: And are veterinary advisors the right people to be advising farms about an issue of human health?
0: Absolutely. Veterinarians <laughs> are commonly employed as public health professionals globally within regulatory bodies, uh, in governments. Uh, they, they play an important role on food safety policies, grading uh, policies. Uh, they are uh, in, in th- they, they are very important on zoonotic diseases, anything that uh, public health related where there is a human and animal interaction in general. So, but more specifically as yes, we are food animal veterinarians, And we deal every day with herds and large group of animals. Uh, What we do is population medicine. So we can consider ourselves a population medicine expert. Uh, And that's an advantage because some human doctors uh, work uh, most of the times as an individual level.
1: And if we talk about taking extra precautions to keep the coronavirus out of our population, being the, the farm workers on the farm, for how long should these extra precautions last? Are we talking weeks or months or years? How long?
0: Um, I'm afraid at least until we can get the protections from the protection from a vaccine, um, mm. and uh, that's uh, is getting it's getting closer, and and we can see um, how different parts of the world and different groups of uh, scientists are are advancing, and 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 their trials on humans are are getting promising. So um, we need to wait for that. We need to uh, wait uh, for the vaccine protection.
1: Until then, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be alert. Correct. Yes. Uh, by the way, I, I've been calling it a lot so far just the coronavirus, but there are other coronaviruses, of course. Uh, this one seems to have several names, depending on whether it's been discussed in scientific circles, on farms, or out in the general public. Could you just clarify for me, please, uh, when you talk about the human health risk, what do you call the virus?
0: <laughs> so it gets uh, a long one. So it's a severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus type two. We, uh, it's, it's in the short, this is sars coronav- type 2 uh, And that's the name that has been given to this novel uh, coronavirus that was discovered in 2019. But uh, the name of the disease, that's what we, what we call the disease, is COVID-19. Uh, that's the human-associated disease uh, with this SARS-CoV-2.
1: Oh, thanks. So, now, okay, SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus. Is there any evidence yet whether it does or does not infect pigs? You referred to earlier saying it doesn't, I, I thought. It does, is there yeah. any evidence of that, uh, that it does or does not?
0: Uh, uh, well uh, there's no scientific evidence uh, that is uh, that that is affecting any livestock at all and um, I'm finding so far for research are indicating that uh, that they are not susceptible to to SARS-CoV-2
1: so not pigs then, but I have seen one study in fact from China reporting that the virus infected cats and I think we've heard from France, has been another incident there too in cats. Should we regard cats on farms as a risk in the coronavirus context?
0: Uh, well, specifically, there is no current scientific evidence on dogs or cats playing a role in spreading SARS coronavirus uh, towards humans, right? But. Um, as a general, like we are concerned about having cats and dogs uh, at the farm, like but that's from our overall biosecurity perspective. They roam around; they can eat wild animals. So, so as a as an as a general, we uh, try to prevent having cats and dogs at the farm. But mm-hmm. it's a very different situation having a cat on a very on on, on a on a on an environment where the risk of infection is high, like on an affected household, where, where uh, the owners of the pets um, of, in this case, the cats are, are um, infected. So that's may what happen. That's what happened in those uh, um, studies. Uh, so that's um, the, the, the environment of these, um, of these pets surrounded by, uh, by patients, right, with, uh, uh, infected with COVID. Um, that's that's what uh, made the uh, animals, the, the cats in this case infected. But there is no risk of, of the cats of spot, um, getting people infected.
1: I see, not from cats to people. Not from cats. Okay, so the farm operators who receive advice about protecting their workers from this infection, uh, let's talk about where they should begin in training their workers about the personal biosecurity involved. Uh, How do you propose to provide a message that reaches the people who take care of the pigs?
0: So we propose uh, an, uh, an a specific type, and that's because we have created them and we have used them already. We have used all the visual or visual aids to pass the message for producer. It's, it's, it has worked very well for us.
1: So you've prepared your own set of visual aids, have you for this purpose?
0: Correct. yes.
1: And um, uh, yes, go on.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they've been very valuable. we, we we're excited we, we will keep using them.
1: Yeah, and what are the vital parts of the message that they provide? I mean, you're an expert on the airborne distribution of pathogens. Is that a key point here?
0: Uh, it is. It uh, is one of the the key messages. So um, it's been helping us to describe the, this process of airborne transmission. And with airborne transmission, we need to remember that is the droplet uh, transmission. Uh, like large particles as well as a small particles, so um, it is more and more clear that the ever component of this disease, when considering the transmission of uh, COVID-19, so um, yeah, we believe that this is this is a key message for producers. So our audiovisual ha, ha, has helped us to explain that concept.
1: Okay. And does it also make clear whether biosecurity against SARS-CoV-2 virus starts should start inside or outside the boundary fence of the farm? Where, at what point does this extra precautions have to take effect?
0: Um, we can say that the biosecurity for this specific disease that affects humans uh, starts outside the farm. Uh, and with that, we, we, we and then we refer that in our and our uh, visual aids that we need to be concerned about the contacts that the workers uh, have uh, uh, in uh, in their way to work, right? Uh, tr- um commuting
1: as they travel, as they commute, right? You mean? Right? Yes. And we
0: and we did that in in our infographics as we represent the risk during commuting to work with uh, with uh, people from different teams, so because sometimes we know that asymptomatics can be, inf- um, um, are inf- could be, they could be infectious, right, without having any symptoms. But also it is very important, and and, and we explain that concept to producers that is not only the risk of contact within uh, the farm workers, but it's also the contact that a specific farm worker has uh, within their families and what other contacts have their family, because it's a net of of... Contacts in this case that are at risk to uh, being exposed yeah, to the disease.
1: It, it could seem quite intrusive, Dr. Alonso, to be talking to farm workers and saying, you know, what contacts do you have at home or, or in your social life and so on? How, how do you approach that? Uh, it's a very sensitive area, it seems to me
0: it is we just explain them that uh, we until we don't get a good protection on a vaccine with this disease, what we need to try to uh, is to keep our contacts on uh, a stable group um, as much as possible and that's a very sensitive right because we know we all have teenagers at home or, or uh, we know we want to communicate and go out and so but um, in this case biosecurity also consider uh, the contacts uh, from the family to the worker that will consider that will have the worker with the interaction with other workers.
1: Hmm. OK, let me pause there for a moment, if I may, just to remind our listeners that we're talking about farm level biosecurity against the novel coronavirus affecting humans. And our expert to help us is independent veterinary consultant, Dr. Carmen Alonso. Now, you're an independent veterinary consultant based in Spain, but covering many countries. Are you working in your own consultancy or how does that work, please?
0: Um, yeah, I, I I'm running. I mean, I'm, I'm my da- my work. My daily work is uh, uh, to help producers and veterinarians. Uh, uh, in their daily decisions. So we, I work uh, with my partner, uh, Carles Vilalta, and we just created a company called App North Analytics, where it, uh, we work with data that producers are already collecting at their farms. So we work with health data from the routine diagnostics, production data, syndromic data, such as uh, cough or sound or water usage, mortality data. With that, we want to create but we create a mathematical models for them to help them visualize in their data or estimate potential trends or seasonality of important variables that they, they, they need to consider.
1: Now, this is health oriented, is it? You, this data focus, as you describe, using cough monitors and things as well as production. So you're trying to have an early insight into a change in health
0: correct we wanted to have them first monitoring their data and also analyze it and then create future forecasting so be ahead of what's going to happen so uh, in in any specific change on production or or of course health that it would impact production
1: Oh, very good. I'd like to talk to you some more about this use of data in that way. I think for another podcast, another time. But <laughs> let's go back to coronavirus for the moment, if I may, Doctor Alonso. Uh, you you uh, talked about uh, the external element of the of the story in terms of the farm workers commuting to the farm and their social life. What about visitors? What does your visual of uh, do your visual aids and your advice say about visitors uh,
0: well as part of the normal basic security program we try to um, minimize the number of, of of visits that we do to farms so as much as possible decrease in order to decrease the risk of disease introduction so with our aids uh visual aids where well, we um we of course uh, we represent how people need to enter the information at the farm before we, uh, they come in. And and with that, it's just what we ask visitors to be um, aware of the risks that they are bringing to the farm and try to minimize that as, as possible.
1: I'm with you. Now, uh, many of our listeners are field veterinarians, Dr. Alonso. How should a, a veterinarian be prepared To continue assisting farms without actually visiting them so often, is is it all down to computer screens and and contact, virtual contact?
0: Uh, Well, it cannot be all to that because we really need to visit farms and and interact and see uh, the animals in a different way that through that different that from uh, webcams, right? but but nowadays it's more and more common to have Wi-Fi connection at the farm, uh, so uh, we're getting to do that uh, more often. Um, conference calls and interact with teams that way. But at the same time, um, we we know how virus transmit. We can protect ourselves and others with masks. We we just mentioned that. Um, so there are different things that we can do, but. Uh, absolutely, these days are are um, getting a bit challenge challenging to visiting farms as much as we as we would like to.
1: Right, you mentioned masks. I have to ask you because I am I must, must a bit confused. What is a mask? Because there are many types, and I don't know what you would consider appropriate for visitors or for workers or anybody else who's at the farm.
0: So. Uh, When I try to explain that to producers or to clients... is, um, we, we consider two types of face masks, and, and we, we we explain that very easily so they not understand the difference. So those designed to protect yourself, to protect the person that is wearing it, and those would be, uh, an example are those N95 or FPP2, uh, as we say that in Europe, those are high efficiency filters masks that stop at least 95% of the smallest particles, or 0.3 microns, that from from getting inhaled. So they only allow these of these small particles 5%. The others are stopped completely, and those are high efficient masks that are um, really designed to be under a high um, infectious environment and to protect the person that is wearing them, as I said. But the, the other type of masks that are, are designed to protect others, so those are surgical masks or any homemade uh, face mask or covering. Uh, and those will stop large particles from getting spread, so getting emitted from your mouth when you sneeze, when you cough, or even when you are on a normal conversation. So in, in, a, in a barn, uh, as we all know, we work very hard on having them well ventilated. So they are well-ventilated facilities. Uh, we hope that of course they have low viral pressure of these specific virus, in this case uh, uh, SARS-CoV-type 2. So um, and we also are planning uh, have already in place the strategies to keep social distance. So um, we recommend to pre- re- preserve those high efficiency masks uh for um hospital personnel and for uh workers that are at the really first front line you know what i mean with You're that extra
1: vulnerable and so the extra on. Yes. and
0: also extra vulnerable uh, yeah. so just facial covers would be uh, or yeah. surgical masks would be enough to i mean
1: we're, we're as you know uh, we're used to wearing these face masks against dust on a farm that would be the most common until now, those masks are very simple pieces of cotton very often. Uh, Would something like that be as good as a surgical mask or is is there any difference really?
0: They are. They're just very similar. They preserve large particles to get spread and and, and they prevent others from your own particles that you are emitting. So Mm. those would be just fine.
1: Mm. I'm going to go back also. you, You said about social distancing. When you were talking about travel commuting to the farm you said something about team members are you suggesting that the total farm personnel should be divided into teams for which are kept apart as as much as possible, is is that what a team would be in this case?
0: Yes, and and whenever the farm, uh, the size of the farm uh, allows us, we we try to separate the farm personnel in the small teams, and we do that with the special and te- special and temporarily, so uh, and with that. Uh, we want them to work on a specific team, that, that gets separated from it from the others, and 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 of course that gets simpler with in large facility, in large farms, right? With the amount the point, yes, yes. number it's of Yes, yeah, it's much person. more difficult
1: on a small farm. Yes, it sure. But would these teams be, let's say, separated by production department, or how? how what's the most practical way to to separate teams have you found?
0: So whenever the farm allows it, we, we tend to separate within the same production area two, two teams, right? Whenever yeah. it's possible. Ah, so, so that way the th- there is a backup, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. If, if the breeding people, uh, if everybody from the breeding people gets sick or so, if, if the size allowed it, we try to separate within the same production area in two teams.
1: I'm with you now. Okay, they've got teams. Do they arrive at separate times and eat at separate times and leave at separate times? What is how are they organized, please?
0: So we we advise them to separate uh, temporarily, and with that, we ask them to uh, arrive at different times. Uh, you know, clear the, the 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 way for the next team. Have it all Clean and ready for the next. So it's kind of like, um, uh, kind of like when we work on batches, right, at the farm, but also uh, breaks at different times, um, and also live in the farm, and just trying okay. to prevent the cross pathing as much as possible.
1: Okay, but you're saying when they arrive, the first team would go through the shower and, and facilities like that. And then when they are out of there, the other team can arrive. Is that the sort of thing you have in mind? Yeah,
0: that's correct.
1: I am with you. Okay. Yeah, Dr. Alonso, you've said about social distancing and commuting and so on. And when these teams arrive at the farm, do you have health checks on them as part of the everyday procedure? And also what happens if a farm worker doesn't feel well before traveling to work?
0: Oh, that's a good question, Peter. Um, I will answer the the second one first. So, uh, it's a normal policy in, in South Farms that if a worker doesn't feel good, um, she or he shouldn't go to the farm. So that's that's easy. In in our audiovisuals, visuals, we um, uh, we we try to uh, show that sometimes even people that are not um, that are not feeling uh, sick. You know that they are um, asymptomatics, there sometimes are a uh, scre- um, sh- shedding virus. So with that we uh, we also need to uh, it's not only uh, if you take temperatures at the entrance of the farm you're going to miss these people. So no matter if they're feeling well or, or they're feeling fine, all these, po- all these measurements they need to be taken for these asymptomatics. So clear this uh, uh, social distance, uh, uh, team divide the group as much as possible, separate them physically and temporarily, Um, and all these uh, washing hands frequently, all that. So we try to prevent uh, um, transmission within the farm. But at arrival, it's common that not only how they feel, but they also, many farms are taking temperatures. So that will also help on um, getting records, right, that everybody was feeling well that day and they're doing taking their their uh, precautions right that nobody gets in the farm if it's not feeling well
1: yes i'm with you um you said about washing hands we're all being advised from the start of the coronavirus crisis about hand washing do we need to include that in our farm protocol you know how long people wash their hands for and how they wash their hands and more importantly for me how about how they dry their hands
0: correct drying is, is a key and, and producers they know it really well because it's, it's a key step on 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 biosecurity and sanitation so drying is a key step that will ensure the correct hand cleaning so not only that they need to pay their attention on, on uh, washing hands properly we also try to uh, encourage producer to have always um, disposable towels so workers can really uh, do a good job at drying.
1: And no sharing of towels then. Correct. Not,
0: not just disposable, just paper towels are perfect in this situation.
1: Right. And uh, at the start of our conversation, when you talked about using our audiovisual tools to get the message across, um, we, as I say, we have field veterinarians listening to us. Uh, do you recommend that they create or source such audiovisual aids for use in their advising of clients against coronavirus?
0: Um, absolutely. Uh, for us, has been very valuable and it is easier um, it, it's always easier to like an image is better than a thousand words so it's easier to see than to read when you're passing the message they escape any language barrier so if there's any different languages in the farm or or, or, or there's a lack of uh, communication sometimes because of the language foreign workers that haven't been adapted yet so that help a lot also they provide short and clear messages. they're easily downloaded um, they've been great to share like just in social media or different type of applications because they're short and and um easily managed so they've been very successful
1: you, you know for me one of the things would be that as you say farms and farm workers are very accomplished with personal biosecurity they've lived and worked with that a long time so one of the things i would hope an audio visual presentation might do is say well what you're doing is great now we just need to be doing these extra things these are the extra things and why is that in fact how your av aids uh, approach this these are the extra precautions
0: correct we just show them what they do what they do on their daily on the daily work that they do and a tremendous a great work on, on on preventing diseases to be spread. They just need to take a, a further step because it's not only within the farm, it's also outside the farm. And um, it is important to protect them because they're, uh, they are the greatest value in our facility, the workers.
1: Indeed. Now, the advice to the farm workers then can be communicated in that way. May I we're coming to the end of our conversation for time, I'm afraid, but I'd like to know about advice to the farm operators. And I'll give you an example, if I may. One reads that uh, air conditioning, for example, is is a, a risk factor in the spread of the virus. Now, there aren't that many farms, I think, which have air conditioning, or perhaps there are in offices and that sort of thing. What would be the advice to the operator of a farm about the use of air conditioning
0: uh, well peter first of all i'm not an air conditioning expert because <laughs> it, could, it could get very complex but when consider air conditioning what we need to understand is what it does in the air right in a room first of all it decreases the temperature by uh, by removing humidity from the air and with that um, after studying for so long uh, aerosols and consider myself uh, uh learner in our biology what, what it does it creates particles of a small sizes when you remove uh, air humidity from the air and those small particles are the ones that are capable to remain airborne for longer periods so that's from one side and then well, air conditioning what it, what it also does is just recirculate air um, like any, any other mechanism that we use to move air within a room, right? Uh, but but it allows a, a percentage of new fresh air from the outside for just removal XL air, right, to remove CO2, and, and uh, that's the way air conditioning works. So to, I, to your question, if it's a risk, um, what we need to, and that will be related to aerosol transmission of SARS-CoV-2 uh, in a facility, like in in, in, a, in an office, for example. What it does is to the probability of inhaling enough enough viral particles to become infected. So air conditioning may facilitate air transmission, right, because it decreases the the size of the particles by cooling or or removing humidity from the air. But at the same time, what it does is um, desiccate those particles. So it's a it, it's a combination and it gets somehow complex.
1: But what's the advice? So it, it would it be don't operate the air conditioning? No, or, no,
0: no. Uh, my my advice would be to always um, allow some fresh air to enter the room, because uh, what what uh, allowing the, the, that fresh air to uh, remove uh, kind of like a, do uh, the exchange of, of 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 new air. What it does it. it uh, forces small particles to uh, uh, exhale, like uh, get out of the room, so they don't remain airborne for that long periods of time, and and just add new air, and and that will um, that will kind of like um, um, uh, decrease uh, the inconvenience of having air conditioning or any type of when I say air conditioner, any type of system that what it does is distribute the air in, in, a, in a room.
1: Very good. Right, as I say, I'm afraid we must end there, but I I must say to you, one of the most positive things of this conversation, I'm quite sure, is that we're putting the focus on the farm worker. As you say, they're the most valuable part of our business, aren't they? And that we're making them the center of it. And uh, I think to acknowledge their role and to protect their health and their safety is, is a very good... Idea for all of us on our swine enterprises. Uh, thank you, Dr. Alonso, very much. Uh, we, in this Meet the Expert podcast, we've been talking to independent veterinary consultant Dr. Carmen Alonso, and now principal of Up North Analytics uh, in Spain, about how pig farms can protect the health of their workers during the novel coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Dr. Alonso, many thanks for your help, as I say. Thanks to our listeners for joining us. There will be other uh, podcasts coming along, so stay tuned, goodbye.